Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Minefield podcast from Anfield Index Pro. As always, I am your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and I am joined by Dr. Andrew Vincent, the esteemed Dr. Andrew Vincent, to talk all about psychology and sport. And uh, this week we are going to take a little different tack and uh, go in a direction that we we, uh, wouldn't necessarily normally. But first things first, Andrew, how are you doing? Five minutes late. That's what we were just talking about. And I don't know about esteemed, but steamed this week from being five minutes late for everything for the past three days. So um, the steamed Andrew Vincent, we're talking about something different. We're talking about being like, I guess, I guess a youth sport parent or, you know, I don't know what you what you'd call it or what the title is. Having a child participating in youth sport, various levels. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was try and combine our individual skill bases and experience and pull them together to start to look at how parents can support a child through sport um, and through the different levels of sport in about 45 minutes. Nice and easy. (laughs) Yeah. And just to add to that, like I I also just think like how parents can support themselves through that too and be attentive to themselves and like those those two things go hand in hand because I think probably as a parent if you're not being attentive to yourself and how you're responding to things it's hard to maybe 
be the kind of support you'd like to be on a regular basis. Mm. Those things go together at the very least. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll delve into different elements of parental behavior and parental um, interaction with their their children and coaches and other parents and referees and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll come up with a coherent, interesting session. Um, so for- if it's going to be interesting and coherent, then let me start by asking you a question because you are the parenting expert. <laughs> and so this is, Al is totally unprepared. In fact, we had planned to talk about something totally different. And then I showed up running five minutes late and said to Al, why don't we talk about this? But he's an expert. And so this should be no problem for him is what I'm assuming. Um, Let's start with this and see where it branches out from there. If you were going to pick one piece of advice that you were going to give a parent with a kid who was starting their journey in youth sport or just kind of getting into it at maybe a more serious level. Maybe their kid had just sort of thought like has showed some promise is interested in it, really wants to get into it. They're moving into kind of that more competitive zone where things are going to start getting really busy. What's the one piece of advice you might start with? No pressure. (laughs) Thanks, Andrew. The simplest thing is this is your child's journey. It's not your journey. Now, you might join your child on this journey, but it's your child's journey. And I'll expand on that. (laughs) I hope you might. So we all want our kids to be healthy, happy, rounded children who can live in and operate in society. And... Every parent I've ever worked with over the years will pretty much say the same thing. That is the most important thing. It's not my child must be a professional athlete. My child must be a doctor. My child must be a, a lawyer, whatever. That isn't the first thing that pops into a lot of parents' mouths, right? And almost every parent of a child who is showing promise within sport. So I would do quite a bit of work with with parents and, and young people who are moving into that elite level sport. And they will say, you know, oh, it's crazy. You should see the way the parents are. Like, you know, they they totally are uh, all consumed by their child and, uh, and we're not. <laughs> and within a couple of sessions, the realization is that, well, they are. And, you know, sometimes they need to be. Um, And that can present a lot of challenges. And for a lot of parents, they can struggle with knowing how much to push, how much to step back, how much to leave in the hands of coaches, how much to encourage. Um, And it's there's no right or wrong answers. That's the biggest thing for a lot of parents. So um, if you've got a child who is starting to show a bit of promise, it is about sitting back and asking them how they are finding it. Did you enjoy that? What was fun about that? What do you think you did well? What do you think you'd like to work on? And Again, a lot of parents will say, will kind of agree with that and then go, yeah, um, but what I get back is, I was terrible. I was so bad. But they weren't. 
or I was brilliant. I was literally messy out there on the pitch, but they weren't. And what do I do then? Well, you just can acknowledge it. Oh, really? That's how you, you felt. The very first thing you're doing is you're acknowledging your child's feelings. You're not saying you are wrong. You're acknowledging their feelings, which is really important. And what you can then move on to is, well, actually, from from where I was looking, you did this really well and you did that really well and you did this really well. So maybe it wasn't all terrible because I saw some elements that were really, really positive that you did and and I can see the improvement for you or if they are going I am brilliant and they are 10 maybe just leave them (laughs) let them think they're brilliant because natural consequences will kick in also (laughs) where a coach or a teammate or somebody else is going to go no you're not you're not messy and you're going to be needed then to step in and help them manage that stress and frustration so what you're saying is life will cut them down to size in that case. And then you can be the support rather than feeling like as a parent, like I'm responsible for deflating this ego. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's okay for a child to have the self-confidence or the belief that they are the best on the pitch. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And life will teach us lessons. And life hits in the most part, unfortunately, hits young people a lot harder than their parents do. Um, So there was one family I worked with and the child was an elite level runner, was a national champion here in Ireland. And the whole family's every weekend was everybody... So there's two other children in the car, or in the car, in the family as well, younger. Uh, so the the eldest child was the 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 athlete. Uh, so every weekend was jumping into the car, driving him to training, driving him to uh, meets, driving him to competitions, and he was excelling, excelling, excelling. And then he got a scholarship to a university in the United States. And he went to the scholarship and disappeared from college. And the parents got a phone call to say, I'm in South America. I've met this girl and I moved to South America. I'm giving up my scholarship. And the parents were obviously devastated. They were frustrated, annoyed and what started to come out from the younger two kids was we never got a look in. We didn't get to explore what we were interested in. We didn't get to explore what we were good at because everything was centered around that fucker who gave it all up. And there was massive family tension there for years into adulthood. And They've subsequently worked it out, which is great. And he came back and tried to get back into the running. And after a year or two of being out of it, everyone else had just passed him by. So, you know, and he picked up injuries and stuff like that because he hadn't been looking after himself as well. So that was the end of his athletics career. Um, And that's where the fine balance can be for parents between supporting the elite level 
child because it is a huge amount of time, effort, money, and sacrifice from people within the family. And recognizing that you have other children or that it's important for your child to recognize that there are other elements in life um, that can that need to be taken to the forefront and given as much weight or slightly less weight, but close enough weight to help them manage things. Because what if they don't become an elite athlete? Because what children will do will, or well, so not even just children, pretty much all people will look for the things that provide reinforcement to them, make them feel good. And for sport, people will get that within sport. So if we're good at sport, people will always talk about how good you are at sport, how good you are at sport. And because we get what we call uh, our strokes, so people give us kind of compliments about the things that we're good at, um, we can pin our our sense of self-worth and value on my ability to achieve in this sport. So everything else takes a back seat. And I can imagine it's very much amplified within American um, school system and educational system and sporting systems where, you know, from what I've heard and what I've watched and, and researched, you know, those who are at least on the football team or on the basketball team, uh, you know, can fail exams and get away with it. Can not, you know, can, um, if people can't see Andrew's eyes rolling here going, yeah. Um, but that then is building them up in one area of their life and they don't learn to develop the other parts just in case it doesn't work and such a small percentage actually make it that we need to try and have the balance and at the same time the commitment levels that are needed to become elite yeah and like i'm curious how do you like if a parent comes to you and they're struggling to find that balance i know one of the things that happens over here a lot is um you know there is a significant industry tied up in youth sport of which i guess i'm technically a part because i can be like a side dish for you know if there but like um you know you can go to as many camps as you want cost a decent amount of money you can get private lessons that cost a lot of money you can get all sorts of different things and you know especially when you get into certain levels it's like oh you know i've got my daughter doing this, my son doing this. And, you know, he does this six days a week. He does this, this many days a week. It can, you know, I know it can become easy for parents to feel like, God, I'm not doing enough to support my kid, but I've got either other kids who I want to make sure that they're getting time or, you know, I want to make sure my son or daughter is well-rounded. Um, you know, what advice do you give there in terms of navigating how much is enough, how much is too much, how do you like this concern between am I holding, I don't want to hold my kid back, but there's not unlimited time and energy and resources to put into this. And I want my kid to have time to be a kid. Mm -hmm. It's about accepting that whatever you can do is good enough for then and there. So what I mean by that is that say if one of my kids is, well, I have a daughter who'd like to be a professional footballer. And um, if she's training 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, has Friday off, and then has two matches at the weekend. Okay. And she's doing state exams in school. Uh, and if I'm finding that she's doing homework at 11 o'clock at night, or if I'm finding that she is breaking down in tears because she is struggling to do as well as she would like to do, because it, if we look, if we look at things, when young people have that competitiveness in them and the the drive to be the best they can be on the pitch, sometimes that will emanate across the board in their lives. It's a be perfect driver, you know. Um, but the problem with the be perfect driver is, in its positive state, it will drive you on to be highly successful. But under stress, you can feel like your best is never good enough. And that is, there's nothing anybody can say that will change how you feel. So um, I would look at the, the structure of the day and almost factor in downtime, like schedule downtime in as part of it. And that might be where you step in as a parent and insist no, you switch off from everything. You go and play on your PlayStation. Like most parents are telling their kids, get off the PlayStation. But maybe you're saying, no, go and play your PlayStation. Take an hour. Let's go for a walk. Walk the dog. Let's go hang out with your friends. Go play pool. Go play snooker. Go do whatever you need to. Just go and take that time to switch off. And that can be a real challenge if they do have a very strong be, be perfect driver because it's, yeah, but... And, and this is a, a societal issue we have that we don't switch off. So people in work go, I can just do, if I just did one more hour, if I just did two more hours, if I just did another half an hour, that'll make the difference. And we don't recognize the importance of sleep. Like sleep is the antidote to almost anything that we experience. If we get enough sleep, we are better able to operate from our executive function, you know, be logical, be rational, be healthy. Like the studies into sleep right now are phenomenal. And we're learning so much more about how important sleep is. But yet we will push ourselves to stay up later, to get more time to do X, Y, and Z. So it is about actually factoring in that time where you can. It is about speaking to the coaches, maybe, because that's another huge problem, is that if you've got a child who's moving through the elite levels, they could well be playing with two, three, four teams. So there could be an international level team, there could be a developmental regional team level, there could be a county team level, and then the regular team. <laughs> right? And that's just one sport. Never mind if they're doing another couple of sports as well. So you have all those things going on and all looking for different things, but all looking for the same level of commitment. So this is where parents need to step up sometimes for, them, for their children and say, you're not going to this every week. And I will speak to the coach. And if that's not okay, well, then that's, that's the decision they're going to have to make because we need to protect you and your mental health. 
and your ability to get balance because our children need to learn about balance. Mm. It's why I would absolutely rewrite the whole education. Well, I'm trying to rewrite the whole education system. So priority is given to teaching children how to switch off, how to wind down, how to breathe, how to sleep, how to start to manage their own mental health in a way that is empowering as opposed to disempowering. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I, like I, I think the thing that I hear a lot of there is that like the, the parent's role is to be the person who's paying attention to their kid and how the balance is affecting their child. And, um, you know, in that, you know, the coaches are looking out for development and, you know, the, the kid can kind of be the decision maker in terms of, is this fun? What do I want to still do? Like, you know, what, what do I feel up to being involved in? But then the parent actually, maybe if they can step back and, you know, really keep, you know, does my child seem like they're getting enough sleep? Are there, you know, are they able to maintain and do well in school too? Like, do they still have friends? Like, do they're mood wise, do they seem like themselves? Do they seem okay? Do they have time to be a kid? Like that's, that's stuff that the parent can keep an eye on that maybe the child wouldn't be super well positioned to keep an eye on because that's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, And then coaches aren't necessarily, hopefully you have coaches who are invested in that, but sometimes you won't. Um, And so that becomes a really unique role for the parent. And you will, you will sometimes have coaches who will say they are invested in that, but then in actuality through their actions, they might say something different. Mm Mm-hmm. And we need to remind our children that there is always different pathways to success and that success can look different in different times. So, um, like, my daughter was playing in uh, an an elite uh, development squad. She wasn't enjoying it at all. And it got to the point where she was petrified of making mistakes on the pitch so she was freezing she was in the fight flight and the freeze part which a lot of people don't talk about she was literally freezing on the pitch and we sat down and asked her what do you want to do like you're not enjoying it and she was like well you know I do want to be a footballer but you don't have to be in this squad to become a footballer there's always other options available so she stepped away And she's enjoying her football so much more. And I don't care whether she becomes a footballer or not. I just want my teenager to play sports for as long as possible and to get the the friendships and the enjoyment and whatever else out of it. But what I find sometimes is that the parents become, the parents can become so invested in this goal. So, you know, uh, I'm putting money behind this. I'm I'm going to get the best coaches, the individual coaches, the S&Cs, the nutritionists. I'm going to pay for all that. But you have to commit. You have to put the effort in. But you're dealing with a child. And we need to see the child, not the potential athlete. Now, mm-hmm. we can see the potential athlete there, but we have to focus on the child because the child needs a parent, not another coach. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. This month, the channel is supporting a local charity based in Edinburgh called Steps to Hope. Steps of Hope help support people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction. The founder of the charity, Richard Roncero, is currently doing a sleep rough campaign where he is sleeping rough on the streets in eight different cities for eight weeks. Please like, share and follow the Facebook page and if you can, donate. Thank you. I really like that. And I think, um, so my... Some of the research I did in grad school, like my master's thesis and then my dissertation, which was as lengthy as you can imagine. (laughs) If you give me an open invitation to write about whatever I want, I'm going to write indefinitely. Was that I spent, I interviewed first like program directors for youth soccer programs. And then I interviewed for my dissertation, like youth athletes, parents and coaches kind of across a season to understand like the different roles and how those things come together for youth development and um, like not youth development in terms of skill, but youth development in terms of are there really life skills that people are getting out of youth sport? Because really what the research tells us in that area is that everyone talks about youth sport as this great area for fostering growth and development and positive attributes. But unless you're really intentional about front loading those concepts and being clear about those concepts and having something, then no, it's not any better for developing positive qualities than it is for negative qualities, which you're also exposed to in abundance in sport. <laughs> um, but one of the things that was always so interesting to me through that research was the role of the parents and how that's conveyed is because on the one hand, you re- the, it requires so much dedication from the parents. You have parents who are really often ready to bring that energy and want to be involved and want to be supportive. Um, You have all of these tasks team wise about like organizing this and bringing that and making sure this goes like without parents, the youth sports don't run at all. Not just because there wouldn't be kids, but also like um, there's just so much burden that the parents take on to take on roles and organizations. Like there's so much that goes into it. But the only thing then that you hear back about parents, even from other parents is like, Oh, the parents are the worst part. You know, and it's like what I see there is um, a huge lack of guidance around what actually do we want from you as a youth sport parent? What's going to help your kid have the best experience? And that's what parents want for their kids across the board. Pretty much. They want them to have fun. They want them to make friends. They want them to develop some skills that they can use through life to learn something about themselves that they can bring into their life. They want them to have experiences they can remember. And on whatever comes after that, by and large, parents are like, yeah, it'd be cool if they were really good. But like, um, what I think a, a big problem is, is that, um, no one ever tells parents, how do you do this Mm -hmm. and how this is what we want from you. And these are the things you can be attentive to. And here's the areas to stay out of. And so I think then what you have is this huge amount of energy. You're bringing a huge amount of investment. 
there's a huge amount of emotion too, because like, um, you know, watching your kid compete can be a really emotional experience in different ways and pull a lot out of you. And like, I don't like my, my son's only four. He did karate last night. Like I was just, <laughs> he didn't get, he didn't get kicked off the mat for not paying attention. And that was like, that's great. Like he got Monday night, he got pulled aside for some extra focus practice, which, you know, we could all benefit from, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, you know, you see that, but it's like, you know, there's some part of me watching that. That's kind of like, like, come on and like, hang in there, man. Like, don't <laughs> like look forward. Like that kid just got kicked out. So it's like, you know, I'm not yelling cause the dojo is not very big, but like, it's, it's emotional to be there and no one really tells you, you know, how can you, what do you need to do to, to help your kid here be, be this version? And so I think what you're outlining that I really like is what they need most is a parent mm-hmm. and what a parent can do is look out for their child's well-being and be attentive to the balance and make sure that they have space to be a kid while also, you know, feeling good about themselves. And it also kind of defines, well, what's the role of the kid and what's the role of the coach? And, um, you know, I think that's really great. I think that's something parents need. Yeah. And like the, the other element of it is that children sometimes don't know what they need. Mm. And I was only having this conversation with my mum, who's a phenomenal therapist, um, today. And we were talking about the challenges of being a parent nowadays and how we are being taught to be gentle and, and listen to the child's voice and, you know, give give the child the same level of um autonomy that we would want ourselves and stuff like that but children's brains aren't developed children are not mini adults so they sometimes don't know what they need so your child doesn't need you be to be their friend your child doesn't need you to be um permissive your child doesn't need you to give in to every desire that they want because what happens is they're learning. So they're just on a journey of learning right now of how to be someone in this world that can survive. And I worked with one gentleman who actually over in the States and he had had a, an idyllic childhood. He said, like, I got to do what I want. My parents were fantastic. I knew I was loved. Like it, it sounded like a fantastic childhood. He said, you know, he wasn't spoiled. He absolutely was. But um, but he said when he went to university at 18, he left home and he said for two years he was in the depths of depression because not everybody was doing what he wanted them to do. And if we consistently step away from the role of being a parent, and again, it's hard to know what to do. Like, you know, it's not that it's the one thing we don't need a qualification in or one of the few things we don't need a qualification in to have to do. So, you know, we, we're all trying the best that we can. But what we're hoping from this conversation, some parents can take away little nuggets that they can try and change or tweak at home so that things flow a little bit better for everybody. But by being a parent, by setting the boundaries, by saying to your children, no, you're not going to this tonight or yes, you are going to this tonight. <laughs> um, 
that is you putting a boundary in place and your child's job is to push against those boundaries. It's our job to maintain them. And it's the crappest part of being a parent. And especially as they get older. But if you can just accept that, right, sometimes my child doesn't know what's best for themselves. Sometimes I can see what I think is best right now. So I'm going to trust my judgment, follow through on this, put the boundary in place, and I will deal with the consequences. And my child will deal with the consequences as best as we all can and accept that our best is good enough at any given moment. Well, then all of a sudden we are starting to be what our children need so that they have the flexibility then to go and learn from a coach to experiment and to recognize that I do need downtime and this is how I get my downtime. So you're talking about your little man, right? At karate and focusing at four years of age. Right? <laughs> An impossible beat. So here's a little technique I would give to any parent of any child at any age, even if they're adults. Right? Get them to become a tree. <laughs> right. Let me expand on this. You get them to stand still, close his eyes. You do the same and picture yourself as a big, strong tree. The biggest, strongest tree in the whole forest. And nothing can knock you over. Nothing can bulldoze you. Nothing can break you. You are the biggest, strongest tree in the forest. And then you picture the roots of the tree coming out of your feet, going into the ground, spreading really far and wide, making you even more solid. And what leaves is all the stress and worry that you have right now goes out into those roots and disappears into the ground. And what comes in is all the energy and nourishment you need to be even more solid and strong. I guarantee if you wiggle your child's shoulder before you start and you try to wiggle his shoulder after you've done that, there will be a difference in solidity. Your child has become grounded. You're teaching them how to ground themselves because when we are under stress, our brain is more likely to be scrambled and to be flying around the place. And that can happen on a pitch. So if we teach our children that simple technique to get themselves grounded, they should be able to concentrate more in school and out of school. They should be able to relax themselves a little bit more, calm their brains down and stop the story from being scrambled in their head, which then tells them that they're not good enough and they're able to be present and actually more solid on a pitch. So there's a little technique that you can try, but everyone else listening can try that as well. And do it for yourself. Because if you've, got a, if you've got a child who can't get grounded, like, so what you'll probably do is you'll probably do this with your son and he'll be giggly and he might be like totally bendy and totally all over the place. But you placing your hands on his shoulder because you're grounded and go, okay, we're getting there. We're getting a bit stronger. You're getting even more solid. That's implanting it in his head and he starts to become more solid. So you can ground your child. And that is a such a simple technique, but it is so powerful and it is amazing. I was working with a 14-year-old uh, rugby player who was just about to become an international. And 
he would he said he was starting to doubt himself now this kid at 14 was six foot three and he was <laughs> he was huge like he was so muscular i was kind of going when he i remember when he walked in the door first of all and I, i'm six foot and i just remember looking up and going i was expecting this little 14 year old and this this man walked in right but he said he was not confident going into tackles and that was his job <laughs> right so i just told him that first off and he said he became immovable in his head, which meant he was more immovable, not impossibly immovable, but more immovable on the pitch. And his confidence in his ability, because he knew what he was good at, but this little shaky piece, and it, it's not always that simple. It doesn't always work that, mm -hmm. that easily, sure. but it's such a powerful tool. And it helps your kids relax themselves. Mm -hmm. I think um, something I like about your approach, whether it's like the, the logosynthesis or you know, something like this, and I know actually, I, or I think you've mentioned that your mom has some background in gestalt therapy. She too. does, yeah. So, you know, to like mention like my understanding of a couple of those things, it's like um, they're very in the moment, using a technique like imagining yourself being a tree or saying certain words and being present with those as a way of accessing different parts of yourself at different times and being able to be present with different ways of being at different times. And I think like, um, it's such a powerful thing. And I think from the outside, this idea of like, Oh, be a tree can feel like, well, that's silly. Yeah. But like the, just picturing yourself and imagining that in that way and connecting with this solidity and strength and doing this imagery can create a whole new experience of yourself mm -hmm. and recognizing this part of yourself, which is really very cool. So I, I always enjoy when you throw in stuff like that because it's a bit different from how I tend to practice, but those things can be so powerful. And like, there's not, it's not a gimmick, right? Like my son is four and that's where you came from. But like, I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm going to try the whole tree thing later. I might close the curtains. Actually, I don't have curtains on the windows. So people would be looking at me treeing in here, but like, um, those things can be really powerful. And I, I think being grounded and this is important, I think, especially. So I think about an experience, not even watching my son, but so when I, I remember, I forgot how old I would have been, but my, uh, brother was playing high school hockey. He's a good hockey player. Um, and being there watching him play was different from watching any game that I had watched before. And especially at that level where it's intense because it is really emotional mm -hmm. and you're kind of living and dying by different things. And if you're used to maybe playing yourself too, it's like, you know, if someone takes a cheap shot at him, we've talked about my hockey history <laughs> before. There's some part of me that internally is like, <laughs> and it's, it's different. And in that moment, I gained a completely different understanding of what parents go through as they're watching their kids play their sport and how non-ungrounding it is, how disruptive it can be, how easy it is to ride that roller coaster. And so I think you're introducing this being grounded. I think as a parent, maybe one of the most important things you can figure out how to do for yourself, because I think if you want to be able to let your kid have their journey, to manage to keep them grounded on certain moments of that journey. It's not that you can't feel with them as they're going through this, 
but it is important for you to be able to be grounded in order for them to then be grounded or for you, like, even as you're talking about, like, so you're anticipating that my four-year-old son, as I talk about being a tree is going to be giggly and goofy and you're correct. (laughs) And that's right. But like that, that moment of my being grounded and putting my hands on his shoulders and then connecting to him, there is grounding that will be communicated to him that whether or not he stops giggling, there's something that he gets from that interaction of being present with my groundedness. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, it's hard to stay grounded. And this isn't me being like, Oh, parents need to be grounded all the time because like, that doesn't seem totally possible to me. No one can be grounded all the time. Um, But being able to recognize for yourself how that's going seems like a really important thing that a parent can do. That's going to allow you to be, the kind of support you want more often than not. No one gets to be the support they want all the time. And I think that's important to say too. Yeah. And like this, the grounding is not without um, psychological uh, backing, right? So if we think about it, oh, I don't know if you've found this, but I certainly find it with my clients. A lot of the time when I'll say, okay, what are you going to do when you're in a stressful situation? And usually what they will say will be something along the lines of, well, I will just think about staying calm and not losing it. (laughs) I will think about staying calm and not losing it. And what we totally forget is that that logical thinking, rational part of our brain when we are stressed is shut off. So we can't think or it's, we're sorry, not that we can't, we are less likely to be able to access that part of our brain and what takes over is the fight or flight and freeze response. So we are not going to do it unless it has become part of our process that we can click into. Right. So great. If we can get it as part of our process, then that's fantastic because we'll be able to recognize the triggers as they're coming or if they occur and recognize it quite quickly. That's phenomenal, but not everybody gets there. Whereas if we focus on the grounding and just getting ourselves grounded, then it doesn't matter. We don't have to understand, am I ungrounded or am I not ungrounded? What is stressing me? What is not stressing me? We don't have to try and tap into that executive function that's been shut off. We're just grounding ourselves just because we feel that we want to do it. And then that is tuning into your system without having to try and unlock the executive functioning part of our brain. So it's not, you know, like it's a very playful, I use it with young people all the time. It's a very playful way of doing it. And it's it's lovely. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have power and weight and a, a, a psychological, theoretical uh, basis behind it. It absolutely does. And it's something children can do because a lot of the time children will not be able to articulate or understand what it is that's stressing them. They'll just experience stress. Mm -hmm. So what you're actually doing by teaching them that is teaching them a life skill. Like I ground myself before every single client walk that walks in the door. And what I do is what I let leave my system is everything that was in this room before and what comes in is all the energy that I need for my next client. 
And it's amazing. I will use the grounding technique with all ages. And I'll say, right, you do me. You wiggle my shoulder. And they go, oh, Jesus, you're pretty solid there. Well, it's because I've just grounded myself <laughs> before you came in. Been working out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, do you want to see my six pack? <laughs> I'm 46. I don't have a six pack. Um, but like, it, it's, and I know we're we're kind of spending a lot of time talking about this. But if you're an, a parent of uh, a child who's involved in sport, if you're a parent of a child who's not involved in sport by giving them something this simple and this is what we wanted to do give a practical technique or two that parents can use well what's the worst that happens it doesn't work so be it but I I don't do guarantees very often Andrew but I guarantee the grounding will work yeah and I think you know your your explanation there is really important and interesting which is that like especially in moments of stress like our brain doesn't communicate well through thoughts like that prefrontal cortex part of your brain that does all the thinking and upper level functioning like it's really hard to communicate like with the other parts of your brain that are the parts that are losing their mind and in fact like we are very intentionally hardwired for that to be the case because you know like you want some of the physical and emotional parts of your brain taking over in certain circumstances um, that is adaptive, can be adaptive. That fight or flight spot comes from an adaptive space, but also affects us in non-adaptive ways too, especially in our current world. And so, you know, being able to communicate with yourself through images and feelings and symbolism and like is a great way of being able to communicate with yourself or to, to access different experiences when you can't necessarily just okay, I'm going to think about staying calm. Don't worry about that, right? That's the big one of like, well, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. And like, actually, this is probably good advice for parents too, because I, I imagine that's something parents find themselves saying to their kids all the time, potentially. Mm-hmm. Is, well, just don't worry about that. And that is impossible advice for most of us to take. And I think, you know, there's wisdom in this idea of like, well, don't worry about the things you can't control. And it's like, well, I worry exclusively about the things <laughs> I can't control because everything I can control, I more or less am on top of. And I, I think a lot of athletes come to me with that where they're like, well, I'm just going to focus on the controllables. And that's, that is true. And that is good. But the logistics of doing that are more complicated. So usually that's an area to take a deeper dive of like, how do you do that? What do you do to do that? When you're feeling out of control, you know, when you're feeling not in control of anything, how do you respond to that? And I think with, with the grounding here, that's actually a great way to, to react to that in some ways or to have that grounding and to be able to bring that grounding. And, um, you know, for parents not having that, like being able to recognize too, what's not going to work in these moments where your child is feeling not grounded or you can tell they're all over the place and they're worried, they're upset, you know, to not, say, well, don't worry about that to minimize that experience. And what do you, what are your thoughts on that actually? Like, you know, to have as a parent, Mm -hmm. it's upsetting when your child is upset Mm -hmm. and like, um, you know, around a sports situation, a bad game, unfair playing time. Um, you know, what do you think parents can kind of have in their toolkit to react to that? You're right. It's pointless saying, don't worry about it because I've yet to come across any person on the planet where they get told, don't worry about it. They go, thanks so much. <laughs> Jesus, all I needed was you to tell me not to worry about it. Now I don't feel any worry. Never happened. Right. So the first thing I'd say is 
if your child is upset, go, I completely understand that you're upset. That's okay. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. That's all right. Let it out. So what you're doing is you're acknowledging their emotion. You're acknowledging their feelings. You're acknowledging them. And then you can move to, okay, is there anything you want to do about it? And they might go, I want to go out and smash the face off that referee because they didn't give me the penalty. Okay, well, that's one option. Probably going to get you a ban, you know, so what are the other options? I just want to go home. Okay, let's go home. You don't have to dissect things in the car straight after it's happened. Maybe it's okay to go, it's all right for you to be upset. Hopefully the next time will be better. And then once they've calmed down, then they're able to process things. And some kids are brilliant at just going, do you know what? It's over with. It's it's gone. Other kids might need, okay, do you want some help in digging through some of the things you want to change? They might go yes, they might go no. That's okay too. But just giving them the space, acknowledging their emotion, their feelings. It's all right for you to feel that way. And that can be hard <laughs> if you've got a crying child. Sometimes just give them a hug. One of the, the follow-ups I have for you on this too is like it can be, one, it can be hard if you have a crying child mm-hmm. because that that's emotional and hard and a lot too and can feel like a lot of pressure. But it can also be hard if you're sitting watching the game and you're mad at the refs and that was unfair or you're upset at the coach for the way the playing time has gone or you're um you know seeing the thing that happened you're disappointed for your child too mm-hmm. you know sometimes even you know maybe your kid did something embarrassing every everyone makes mistakes right like i told you about my hockey career i'm sure there were times where my parents were in the stands just being like oh my god is that really my kid um Yep. Bad news, mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you think parents should deal with that or can deal with that? Or like, how do we navigate that part of things? Is that, um, you know, like every person is going to have their own reactions too. And those will often be supercharged because seeing our kids in pain or seeing our kids struggle or, you know, sometimes it can be so hard for a parent to like, if their kid does something embarrassing that can feel like their embarrassment at the same time or like they yeah i don't have an end to that question there's a there's a, but you have thoughts, there's a, so there's a lot to unpack and uh, with this and you know this is probably going to lead us on to the next one um and uh what, what i will say is ground yourself right <laughs> after the match there's been many a time i'm stood in the sidelines i have no hair but wanting to pull a whole full head of hair out of my head in frustration at watching my child, the referee, the coaches, the opposition, right? Ground yourself and accept that this is just a moment in time. This was one bad game. It might be the 10th bad game in a row, but it's just a bad game and it's not going to be like this forever. And you don't need, not everything needs to be a learning moment either. So just 
maybe sometimes just go home and get a pizza and put the feet up and put a movie on. That's teaching about balance and it's giving you the space to calm yourself down if you're not calm about the situation and then you can come back to it. But the more we react in the moment, the less we are likely to give a response that we're going to be happier with when we do calm down. So I hope that answers a little bit of your question. There's definitely a few different nuances. Yeah. And unfortunately, Andrew, we have to wrap it up right now because I'm about to go. I've been, I've been a tree. <laughs> and I've got to go work with a young athlete in two minutes time. Um, but uh, listeners, I hope you guys have found this uh, somewhat interesting. It's definitely something we'll look to expand on myself and Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much for dropping me in it and asking me all those questions. I really appreciate no, it. Super and uh, we will definitely come back to this. And uh, yeah, listeners, jump in the Discord. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback and ask any questions and we will look to answer them on the next Mindfield podcast. Until then, look after yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.